Thank you, Ray. It's good to be with you. And you'd be glad to know I'm not going to be 40 minutes. <laughs> or I don't intend to be anyway. Um, let's just turn to Matthew's Gospel, please, in chapter 18. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. Just want, while you're looking that up, I just want to thank those of you who pray for us every week as we go out around the doors. And uh, it's amazing the people we meet each week and just being able to share the Gospel with them. And, and we appreciate your prayers. And please continue to pray for us. <clears throat> and continue to pray for those individuals that receive literature every week and are spokesmen on the doors and those we have opportunity to share the gospel with. There have been quite a number recently, uh, quite a number of good conversations recently, and we, we appreciate your prayers for us. And please continue to pray for us for the days ahead and for the open air as well every third, every third Saturday. We, um, just pray for all the literature that goes out, that the Lord will use it. Let's just turn to Matthew 18 and verse 21, please. <clears throat> then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold, and his wife and his children, and all that he had, and that payment be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and told him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servants fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved. And they came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all your debt, because you begged me. Should you not have, have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I be uh, on you? And the master was angry and delivered him to the, to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you, from his heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Just have a quick word of prayer before we look at this passage. Father God, we just thank you for your precious word. We thank you that it's a living word. We thank you that you have something to say to each one of us. And Lord, I share a few thoughts from your word today. And as we look at the subject of forgiveness, we just pray, Father, that you would speak to hearts and take the few thoughts I will bring and use them for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. As I say, I just want to look at the subject of forgiveness today, and I think nearly all of us here this morning are, have been recipients of God's great forgiveness uh, through faith in his Son. All of us have uh, had our sins forgiven, or many of us at least have had our sins forgiven, and as the Bible has said, uh, they've been cast as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against us. And as we look at this subject of forgiveness, the first thing we notice about forgiveness in the Bible is that God commands us to forgive others. The great forgiver 
commands us to forgive others. It says in Colossians 3 and verse 13, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. For if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. Mark 11 and verse uh, 25 and verse 26, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. And then 1 John 4 and verse 21 says, And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So we see in Scripture we are commanded to forgive. God has given all of us a free will to respond in forgiveness when we're hurt by others. The com command cannot be ignored this morning because it is God's command. It is God who is speaking. It's our great Heavenly Father, the creator of this universe. The one who forgave us. We cannot sit here this morning and accept God's forgiveness and yet refuse to forgive our fellow man. We cannot accept God's mercy and yet be unmerciful to others. James 2 and verse 13 says, For judgment is without mercy, the one who shows no mercy, but mercy triumphs over judgment. It says in Ephesians 4 and verse 32, To be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So first of all, we see forgiveness as a command. And secondly, we see forgiveness as a choice. Now that might seem like a contradiction in terms, but God gives us the command, but he leaves the choice with us. God in his goodness and in his wisdom has given each one of us a free will. In other words, it's optional whether we choose to forgive or not. And some people have used that free will and have dug in their heels and, and they stubbornly have said, I will never forgive that person. I can't and I won't forgive that person for the things they've done for, to me. If you only knew the things they said about me and my wife and my family and my children, if you only knew the lies, the accusations, the things that have been said about me behind my back, I can never forgive that person for the hurt they've caused me and my family. For years they've been spreading rumors about me. But that's not the attitude we should have as Christians. We need to be careful that we do not allow bitterness. We do not allow bitterness to take root in our lives and ruin our walk with God. We all know people who have who have, uh, can do nothing but talk about the things that have happened to them and how they've been hurt by others and how they've been wronged by others. Today we have to make a choice. Do we go on mulling over the things that have happened in the past, the comments that have been made, the things that have been said, the remarks that have been exchanged, the views that have been exchanged, Constantly thinking about these things and getting more bitter as the days go by. Maybe sometimes we can have the attitude, oh, when I see that person, they'll get a piece of my mind. They'll be sorry they crossed me. But that should not be the attitude of us as believers. We are told to love others. We're told even to love our enemies, the Bible tells us. So this morning we have a choice to make. If we've been hurt by others, we can hold on to that bitterness and that resentment and that hatred, or we can forgive them with God's help. And my question to you this morning and to each one of you is, 
if you have been hurt by somebody, what are you going to do? Our choice will determine our spiritual growth. It will determine the spiritual growth of this church. We must obey God's command. It says in Ephesians 4, and I've already quoted, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. As we look at the scriptures, we see many examples of people who had to forgive. Esau forgave his brother Jacob, we read in Genesis 33. Joseph forgave his brothers. David forgave Saul. And if we claim to love God, we need to forgive others. Just as God has forgiven us. Otherwise, we're living in disobedience to the commands of God. If you forgive other people their sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you, it says in Matthew 6 and verse 14. So we see forgiveness as a command, forgiveness as a choice, and forgiveness as a challenge. If we're being honest, sometimes it's not easy to forgive. If we're being truthful, sometimes we want, we want the other person to suffer. We want them to get what they deserve, so to speak. But Proverbs 24 and verse 29 says, do not say I will do to him just as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. We're not to be looking for revenge. We're not to be looking to be payback. It says in Romans 12 and verse 18, If it is possible, as much as depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. It is our responsibility to live at peace with others. In our eyes, they may not deserve our forgiveness. But neither did we for deserve forgiveness. But yet God forgave us. God forgave us of our wickedness, our pride, our self-righteousness. Jesus faced a horrendous death so that we could be forgiven. And forgiving is a challenge. And we cannot do it upon our own strength. It is only with God's help that we can forgive. And as we seek to do his will, he helps us to obey his command. It says in Philippians 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Only God can forgive the person for the sin committed against him. And only we can forgive the person who has uh, sinned against us. Only the one sinned against can forgive the sinner. And forgiveness starts with the admission of sin, the admission of wrongdoing against another whose forgiveness we may need to seek. An acknowledgement that all sin is ultimately sin against God, not just against that other person, but against God. But I think sometimes we need to look, as Christians, we need to look in the mirror. Are we the person who's easily offended? Are we all sensitive? As we say in the south of Ireland, are we a little bit touchy, a little bit tetchy? Do we, do we easily take offence? If, even if somebody passes a remark in jest? Do we, are we the person who analyses every remark? Do we feel that everybody is against us and we are being somehow victimised? Do we feel that our opinions are, never, are being ignored? Do we seem to go from one dispute to another? 
And as we look at our lives, we are the common denominator. Are we the person that never settles in any church because things are not done our way? Are we the person uh, and there's something wrong with every church we attend? You see, moving from one church to another is not the answer if the problem is in here, if the problem is within our hearts. Are we the problem? Do we blame others sometimes? Are we the one that starts the dispute? Are we the one that adds fuel to the fire, so to speak? See, if you look at society, most of the problems in, in marriage, in families, are caused by people's unwillingness to forgive. They've been hurt in some way and they're unwilling to forgive. Society teaches us today to defend our rights. Stand up for yourself. Don't let people walk all over you. You must be number one. As the Isle of Eulis says, because you're worth it. Yeah. We have to stand up for ourselves and defend ourselves. But what does Romans 12 and verse 17 says? Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, business is mind, I will repay, says the Lord. In other words, leave the situation with the Lord. Bring it to him in prayer. Don't try and take revenge. Hebrews 12 and verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness with which no one will see the Lord. Matthew 18 verse 21 and verse 22, we read here, Peter says, How often shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to 77 times. Jesus said up to 70 times 7. In other words, don't keep a record of it. Keep on forgiving. We need to ask ourselves, do we seek to dwell in unity with our fellow believers? Or is our agenda more important? Sometimes we have our own agenda and we need to look beyond that. We need to lead to the greater good of our fellowship and of our, of our witness before unbelievers. Do we sometimes think that we're owed an apology? It's up to the other person to apologize to us. Why do so many disputes go on for years? Because each of us, if we're being honest, want to defend ourselves. We want to defend our reputation before others. We're more concerned about what, about what other people will think. We want to be boss. But it does not matter what people think. It's what God thinks. And what God knows about it. That's what counts. Forgiveness is a challenge. But it's a challenge we can rise to. If we would but surrender to God. And seek his help. Forgiveness is a challenge. But I believe forgiveness is also the commencement of a new life. Forgiveness breaks that saddle of resentment, that bitterness, that ill-feeling, that hatred, animosity. It stops that spiral of tit-for-tat, that desire to tell the other person what we really think of them, that desire to let them have it with both barrels, as we would say, that desire to put them into place. When we forgive, it gives us a whole new perspective. Forgiving somebody breaks the influence they have over us. I'm sure you've often heard that said about people who have experienced uh, sexual abuse and, and physical abuse and the, the, the influence that has upon their lives. But when they forgive the person, 
with God's help, it just breaks that bondage, breaks that grip upon them. It says in 2 Thessalonians 5 and verse 15, See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but all pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. It is up to us to be reconciled to that other person if they're willing to sort out that issue. But I think we must recognize that not everybody is willing to forgive and to move on. Some people love to wallow in the mire of, of resentment and bitterness. And if you've tried to reconcile with other other party and are having none of it, then you just have to bring the situation to the Lord and leave it with him. I know a lady, sadly, is a Christian lady, and she's fallen out with her two sisters, and she keeps going back trying to reconcile that situation. And all that she's doing is opening up old wounds and making the matters worse. It says, be reconciled to one another. We dare not let the issue drag on for years till it gets to the point where we be we cannot even remember how the whole thing started. Sometimes it can be something small that gets blown out of all proportion. One word leads to another. Voices are raised. Unloving words are exchanged. We as Christians need to live in the light of eternity. And we need to live in the light of the fact that one day we too will have to give an account to God at the end of life. It says in Romans 14 and verse 10, But why do you judge your brother? Or why show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. There'll never be blessing in any fellowship, in any place of worship, if you're unwilling to forgive others. It is pointless turning up to the prayer meeting with an unforgiving spirit. What does Second Chronicles 7 and verse 14? If my people, which are called from by my name, will turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. First Peter 3 and verse 7 says, Husbands are called to love their wives, that their prayer life may not be hindered. When the brethren dwell together in unity, there the Lord commands the blessing. And it is only where there is unity. Romans 14 and verse 19 says, Therefore, let us pursue the things for which make peace, and the things by which we may edify another. As we look at the scriptures, the pattern for forgiveness is set by God. God chose to forgive and not to condemn. He forgave us when we deserve nothing but eternal damnation in a place called hell. The forgiveness of God is life-changing. And many of us, if not all of us here this morning, have experienced that forgiveness. But I also believe the forgiveness of others is life-changing. God, in his, in his love, has sent his son to die a horrendous death on Calvary. God willing, God's son willingly went to the cross to take our place, bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. That's what the hymn says. He's bore our sins in his body in the tree. He offers you forgiveness this morning if you have not received his forgiveness. It does not matter what sort of a life you've lived, whether you're a rebellious person this morning or a religious person, whether you're self-righteous or sinful, whether you're moral or immoral, God will forgive you if you will repent if you will turn from all known sin in your life to the living God who loves you and cares for you. The Bible says in Acts 3 and verse 19, 
Repent, therefore, that your sins may be blotted out. If you're here this morning and you've never come to Jesus for forgiveness, he loves you. He loves you beyond human understanding. He loves you more than your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your father, your mother, your grandparents. He loves you in everlasting love. And he wants to forgive you. It does not matter what you've done in the past. If you're genuine, if you're sincere and you come to him, he will forgive you. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. While it is essential this morning that we forgive others if we've wronged them or if they've wronged us, the most important issue in life is to know the forgiveness of God. The Bible says we are all sinners and we need to know God's forgiveness. You and I need to recognize that our lies, our theft, our dodgy dealings, our gossip, our envy, our pride, and many other things are abhorrent in the sight of a holy God. Is there somebody here and you need to seek God's forgiveness for the very first time? You know within your heart of hearts you're not ready to meet God. For you this morning to receive forgiveness from God it would be life-changing. The Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You can become a child of God this morning. It says in John 1 and verse 12, but as many as receive him, to, to them gave he the right to become the children of God, to those who believe on his name. Many people feel, oh, we're all children of God. We're not born children of God. Because if we're born children of God, why does it say in this verse here, but as many as receive him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God, to those who believe on his name. Will you acknowledge your sinfulness? Will you seek God's forgiveness? God's forgiveness this morning is without measure. It doesn't matter whether you think it's just a little white lie right through to murder can be forgiven. By the way, there is no such thing as a little white lie. A lie is a lie. A lie is sin in God's sight. Maybe you're here this morning and God has forgiven you and you're still struggling. You're strugg struggling with guilt. You know God has forgiven your past. You know that God has forgiven you. But the old accuser of the brethren, the devil himself, is dragging up your past and saying, how can you be a Christian? Look at what you've done in the past. You just need to stand upon that verse in Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So forgiveness is a, cho a choice and a challenge and a commencement of a new life. But praise God, forgiveness can be complete. When God forgives, it's complete forgiveness. When Jesus died, he died for all of our sins, not just for, for some of us. He doesn't just die for the gross sin and ignore what we would consider a sin. All sin is forgiven, no matter what, if the sinner is genuinely repentant. Colossians 3 and verse 13, And you being dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. 
Psalm 32 and verse 1. Blessed is he whose trespasses is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Psalm 86 verse 5. For the Lord, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all who call upon you. Psalm 85 verse 2. For you have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin. Psalm 51 verse 9. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. That verse I've already quoted in 1 John 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from some unrighteousness. No, from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness is a command, a choice, a challenge, commencement of a new life. Forgiveness is complete and finally forgiveness is costly. We can be forgiven because Jesus took our place on the cross. He took the punishment that we deserve for the sinful actions and our sinful lifestyle. It says in 2 Peter 2 and verse 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, be, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. Don't ever take the forgiveness of God for granted because it cost Jesus his life. It cost God his only son. We will never, if we lived for hundreds of years, we will never fully understand what, it, what Jesus went through as he took our place on the cross. He faced a horrendous death, mocked and ridiculed by evil men. That relationship between God the Father and God the Son broken because God the Father couldn't look upon him as he bore our sin. We'll never comprehend the cost, what it costs Jesus so that we could be forgiven. So let's, in closing, ask the question, forgiveness is a command. Have you obeyed the command, if that's what God is asking you to do? Forgiveness is a choice. Are you going to make the right choice? And seek God's forgiveness if you need to. Forgive that other person if you need to. Ask somebody else for their forgiveness. As I said earlier, forgiveness is a challenge. And if somebody is here struggling to forgive, ask God for help. Ask God to help you. Forgiveness is the commencement of a new life. As I said earlier on, the forgiveness of God is life-changing, and perhaps you've experienced that. But the forgiveness of others is also life-changing. And forgiveness is complete. But have you received God's complete forgiveness? Have you ever acknowledged that you're a sinner? Have you ever just come and asked Jesus for that forgiveness? There's none of us too young or too old we can come to him at any age. But don't be like me before I become a Christian. And I, before I become a Christian, I went to services like this and I said, when I go home, I'll become a Christian. I'll become a Christian next week. And I was uh, in my 20s and I was thinking, if I become a Christian, I'm going to have to give up all of these things. And I live in the south of Ireland where there are very few Christians. 
And I thought, if I become a Christian, where am I going to meet a Christian partner? And maybe that's some of the battles you young people here are facing this morning. But I would encourage you, my friends, put your trust in Jesus. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to forgive you. And he'll give you the best life. No matter what age you are, you need to come to him. And you can experience that, that complete forgiveness. And in closing, forgiveness is costly, but don't reject God's offer. Because it cost Jesus his life. Jesus said in John 13 and verse 34, A new commandment I give you is that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. God's love and unforgiveness cannot dwell in the same heart. The Bible tells us you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. If we love the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be willing to forgive others as God has forgiven us. We're just going to take a moment to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and speaking about love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail, whether there are tongues, they will cease, whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. And now in part, but then I sh shall know. I shall know just as I also am known. And now abided faith, hope, love, these things, and the greatest of these is love. Let us ask God this morning to give us the love to forgive and the humility to seek forgiveness. That's what God is asking us to do. Thank you for your attention.